This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. Welcome to Cinema Fix, your stop for the purest, highest quality movie reviews on the block. I am your new presidential candidate, Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined today by my fellow dealer slash perhaps up-and-coming VP nomination, Frank Reddy. Hi, how's it going? You you shook your head like, no, you don't want to be on that part of that platform. I'm offended. Uh, that's all right, I can live with that. <laughs> All right. Well, this is episode number four of Cinema Fix. If you're new to the show, this is the uh, program on Film Geek Radio focused on in-depth discussion of mainstream blockbuster films. We are here to satisfy your addiction to quality conversation about film as well as talk politics, apparently. Yeah, apparently. (laughs) And each week we release an episode in two parts. The first part, which you're listening to now, is a ten-minute long spoiler-free review of the film. That way you can get a general idea of what we thought about it and whether or not it's worth your time to see. And the second part is a more in-depth analytical discussion that does contain spoilers, where we really dive into to, to what really makes the film work or not work. So if you've seen the movie and would appreciate a more in-depth conversation, then definitely listen to that. Um, otherwise, just stick to this one if you haven't seen the film, and we won't ruin it for you. We promise, don't we, Frank? Yes, we do. And this week the movie we're going to be discussing is The Ides of March. Frank, I know you've been looking forward to this movie for a long time. I have. So why don't you go ahead and give our listeners a little bit more information about it. Uh, sure. The uh, Ides of March was directed by George Clooney. It's his fourth uh, effort behind the camera. It is basically a story of politics that stars Ryan Gosling. Uh, Clooney plays a supporting role. He is uh, the presidential candidate that Ryan Gosling is assistant to the campaign manager for. And it is basically the story of political intrigue and this back and forth of one-upsmanship with these guys trying to outmaneuver and in a lot of ways outsleaze one another in order to stay on top. And it becomes this morality tale of um, how much you're, how far you're willing to compromise your ideals in order to win. So really optimistic, idealistic stuff about where our political future is headed. Oh, my God, yeah. It's like the West Wing all over again. Just <laughs> so full of optimism and singers. <laughs> Here's a clip. So, Paul, tell me something I don't know. Tell me what's going to happen on the 15th. Us by nine. So you're certain you're going to win here? Certain, no, confident, yeah. You just said you win by nine. And I think that we will. St. Gabriel can blow his horn on election day and get his four horsemen to rig the ballot boxes for Pullman, and it wouldn't surprise me. Hmm. So you're saying there's a good chance you won't win? Uh, Don't twist my words, Ida. What I'm saying is I'm not going to promise you we'll win. But he was decorated by Bush Sr. from the first Gulf War. He protested the second. He left his state with a balanced budget and the fourth highest education rate. The Republicans have no one out there that can touch this guy. So for this moment, this election, this primary is the presidential. And that, Ida, is the State of the Union. Well, Frank, the Eyes of March has been getting a lot of buzz. It's been playing the festival circuit. Critics seem to, to really like it. There's talk of some possible Oscar nominations, especially f- in regards to Clooney and Gosling for this film. And I know you've been looking forward to it a long time. And it's based on a play called... Farragut North. Farragut North, yes. And I'm not sure if you've ever read the play. I haven't. Okay. 
Well, have you read Julius Caesar? I have, a long time ago. Okay, because the title, The Eyes of March, is, I believe, taken from... Julius Caesar, yeah. ...from that play, yes. So I'm curious if you found any Shakespearean parallels, if you thought it was this grand epic tale of betrayal, and overall, what did you think of it? I, I liked it a lot. I liked, the, liked it a lot. To answer your last question, um, with regards to the first... I mean, I think the whole movie is basically a series of betrayals it you know it's basically i think it did a nice job of equating politics with this this game that essentially has no rules or where the rules are you're you're basically out to outmaneuver this other guy it's like a game of chess if chess was not a gentleman's sport is politics a gentleman's sports though let's be honest it's not it's That's not what i meant yeah yeah i don't think it ever is no it's not i i agree with you it's a, it's a really interesting tale of how someone appears to be, you know, in the game of politics and appears to be someone filled with integrity, and how gradually you start to realize that the characters you thought were really inspiring and maybe somebody uh, you could vote for or, or maybe somebody whose career you really wanted to follow, about how gradually they need to make certain compromises in order to win that idea of, you know, can you be a really effective, really great candidate and win without uh, compromising your integrity? That seems to be the central theme of the movie. Yeah, what I really enjoy enjoyed about it is um, they didn't go the route they could have, which is, you know, if you're going to have that type of a movie – Usually the, the protagonist is a little bit more willing to kind of slip in there and do the dirty stuff is where they have people here who maybe may have made one mistake before and it's maybe an innocent enough mistake in the case of some of the characters, not all of them. And from there, it's just, even though they don't necessarily want to, they just are forced to kind of keep piling and piling on top of that. And it, it, be, it does, you're right, it does become a point is where... At what point do you say, I've taken my morals and values as far as I can go here. It's time to start playing dirty. Right, right. And I, I do think that in terms of a directorial effort from George Clooney, it's pretty solid. Yeah, I think it's terrific. Um, I haven't seen Leatherheads, but I have seen uh, Confessions of a Dangerous Mind and, and yeah. Good Night and Good Luck. And those are both very, very solid films from a, from a directorial standpoint. I wasn't quite sure about a few of his choices in this movie, at least in terms of the cinematography and in terms of how he uses the camera. They, he, he does some interesting things, but I'm not sure how effective they were. We can, we can talk about that more when we, when we get into spoilers. Right. Overall, I'd say it's a, it's a pretty well-crafted movie. Yeah, I thought it was solid, uh, just in terms of the performances he got, and I liked a lot of the images he put up on the screen. Yeah, I mean, this has been a really fantastic year. For Ryan Gosling. I mean, he had Crazy Stupid Love in the summer. Uh, he had Drive, which we talked about a few weeks ago, and now he's got the Ides of March. This is really his year. He's, he's on a roll. He, he's getting a lot of buzz um, for, for all of these projects, and he's really, I think, starting to make a name for himself as a serious, dramatic actor. As, as we mentioned in our Drive episode, it seems like he's really trying to move as far away as he can from that sort of notebook yeah. sex object kind of persona. Yeah, I mean I, I mean, I don't know if he had any idea when he 
decided to do these projects that they'd all be released so close together. Um, but I mean, it worked out terrifically for him. I'll give him that. I mean, he must be thrilled. Oh, absolutely. And he he does a great job in the film. I'm not sure if I liked it quite as much as his performance in Drive, mm-hmm. but I thought he, he does some good work here. Clooney is always fantastic. I mean, yeah. the man could charm the pants off of anybody, Yeah, I think. And he, he's... It's George Clooney. What do you say about George Clooney? I think he knows what he's good at, and I think he, he sticks with it. And I, I just think he's... You can tell he has such an affinity for, um, like, some of those older, like, the 70s political thriller-type movie, and he knows the genre very, very well. Well, he always seems drawn to some of these big political issues. I mean, in Good Night and Good Luck, it was the theme of McCarthyism and censorship, and how do we deal with that? And in this film, he mainly just seems to be commenting, perhaps due to the fact that we have an election coming up next year, and we're currently in the middle of, uh, you know, the search for a new Republican candidate. He seems to be commenting on on the fact that, you know, in politics, with the way the system is set up, is there any way that you could get a candidate that, that really will change things and really will be a great leader? Or, and at the end of the day, do you, in order to win, do you just end up with a bunch of scumbags? Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a good point. Um, you know, I think he's at a point in his career where he, he's, um, he's arrived, so he has the freedom to kind of do what he wants. He doesn't have to do, like, the romantic comedies and crap like that if he really doesn't want to. And, I mean, you could definitely tell his tastes run more towards the serious-minded um, except for Leatherheads, which I, I didn't mind Leatherheads as much as some people did, but uh, I love George Clooney. Yeah, he's he's a he's a great actor, and he's capable, I think, of some really subtle and nuanced performances. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw The American last year, but his, I yet. his performance in that was really really stunning. And in this film, The Eyes of March, he does a really great job of alternating between this really charismatic, charming persona and at times being a character who, who you can tell maybe is a bit sleazier or maybe does have that, that ability to, to bite back. Mm-hmm. Um, and, he do, and you can tell that at times there's some real menace under the, uh, the suave, sophisticated exterior. And I thought he did a good job of balancing that. Yeah, I mean, I what I really appreciated about his character, again, is um, it really wasn't um, flat at all. Like, there were really a lot of sides. Like, I, I really wasn't sure, is this a good guy? Is this a bad guy? Or, you know, is this a bad guy who uses that to do good things? Or is this a good, essentially a good guy who wants to do good things with the presidency who just happens to have you know, one issue that's really tripped them up. Right. We can't right. say what yet, but... And I, I'm curious, what, what did you thought of some of the supporting actors and characters? Um, Paul Giamatti is in the film, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Evan Rachel Wood, Marissa Tomei. I thought they were all great. I thought Philip Seymour Hoffman's character in particular was a very interesting character, and he pulls it off and, and plays it very well, Yeah, I thought. Um, in terms of, actually, in, in terms of all the characters in the film, I thought he was probably the most memorable. 
I would agree that he's a pretty memorable character. I think Paul Giamatti uh, stuck out a little bit more to me, which is which is interesting because they're flip sides of the same coin. Right. In this movie, um, you know, I, I just I, I loved what uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman did. I thought it was a very interesting character because again, they, they set you up to expect what you've seen in other movies, which is he's the mentor figure who's going to get thrown under the bus, and that's not what happens in this case. Not really, not not as simply. Um, but I, I just thought Paul Giamatti, uh, you know, I was thinking last night while we were watching it, just something about his voice, like something about the, the, just the, the tone of his voice. He has such a uh, kind of, it's very wise-ass, but at the same time very earthy voice that I think made him perfect for the character he played, this kind of down and dirty guy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I thought he was he was great. As you mentioned, he and Philip Seymour Hoffman's character, Paul, are, are pretty much two sides of the same coin. Yeah. And uh, Evan Rachel Wood also pops up in the movie. Yeah. As an intern, as an shall intern, we say. Yeah. And 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 I thought she did some interesting things. I thought she was fine. I thought Marissa Tomei was fine even though she only pops up briefly. Yeah. Every now and then. So from a technical perspective, it's solid from a, in terms of the acting, I think it's it, it's great. I'm not sure how satisfied I am overall. I think I overall I, I'm pretty satisfied. I don't know if I'm as satisfied as as I could have been, but I would highly, I would still highly recommend that people go see the film and check it out and start talking about politics and these issues. I mean, we do have an election coming up in a year, so might as well start thinking about this stuff. Yeah, I, I think I agree. I think it's worth it. I think it's. Uh for me, I, I think I walked out a little bit more satisfied with you. To be honest, I was. I think just because, again, I've seen so many other movies, I was expecting it to end in a slightly different way. Like I wasn't expecting it to end on quite the note it ended on, which threw me a little bit. But you know, looking back on it, I think that he ended it in exactly the way he, the story he set out to be told needed to end. Um, which I think is great. I think it's a very enjoyable movie. So you're saying that you're glad we chose to talk about this movie instead of Real Steel? Really? I, I was a little bit disappointed we didn't get to go see Real Steel. I, I was, you know, I was looking forward to, uh, you know, taking everything I, I love about the Transformers movies, which I, I love just so much, <laughs> and adding uh, the guy who brought Wolverine X-Men Origins to the screen. <laughs> oh, no, it's not him. It's the guy that brought us Night of Night at the Museum. Oh yeah, I was just talking about Hugh Jackman. Oh okay. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I like Hugh Jackman. But that looked and, you know, here's instead of the Ides of March, instead of getting two robots fighting against each other, yeah. we get two great actors. Yeah. And we get a multitude of great actors, and and uh, so it, it's a different type of boxing match. Oh, yeah, Andrew actually had to lie to me to get me to go see Ides of March. He had me convinced we were going to see Real Steel. And I was, like, halfway through Ides of March before I was like, there are no robots in this. Where's Hugh Jackman? (laughs) Saboteur. Wait, is Clooney a robot? Is he going to transform? Yeah. Wow, there are no kids in this movie theater. That's a little odd. Wait, are the robots running for... For president? I don't understand. Where's Evangeline Lilly? <laughs> All right. Well, I think that'll wrap it up for our general thoughts on the Ides of March. Frank, it sounds like uh, you and I both thoroughly enjoyed the film and would recommend that people check it out. Yeah. All right. That will wrap it up for part one of our episode on the Ides of March here on Cinema Fix. Don't forget to tune into part two uh, for a much more in-depth look at the film. And don't forget to tune in next week when we'll be discussing The Thing. No, really. That's the name of it. The Thing. The thing. The thing, yeah. 
this is the uh, prequel to the classic 1980s um, John Carpenter horror film, which itself was a remake of, uh, of a black-and-white horror film from, I believe, the 1950s, I want to say. I believe that was, it was a Howard Hawks film, um, The Thing from Another World. Have you seen John Carpenter's The Thing, Frank? I have not. Okay, Frank, before we go see the prequel, you and I need to seriously sit down and revisit John Carpenter's The Thing because it is one of the... It's, it's one of my favorite films. Okay. I absolutely love The Thing. It did some incredible work in terms of on a script level, on a directing level, and on a special effects level. It's really groundbreaking. And I'm excited to see this prequel, which is, for those of you that don't know, is apparently about uh, a Norwegian uh, research team into Antarctica that encounters the quote-unquote thing, this alien creature from, a, from another world. Hopefully, it will be a worthy prequel. I guarantee you right now he pans it next week. I guarantee it. <laughs> well, I have... You know, really strong feelings for the original. So, yeah, and you have high standards on yeah, top, super high standards on top it, of it. There's it, no way. It's got a lot to live up to. There's no way. It's produced by Ron Moore, I believe, who's the producer of the new Battlestar Galactica, and he's done a lot of interesting and uh, pretty good science fiction work. So, hopefully, you know, I've got my fingers crossed. Uh huh. I'll, I'll believe it when I see it. The movie's been delayed numerous times. Yeah. <laughs> hopefully, that's. To make it better, as opposed to because it has problems. You and just don't... keep telling yourself that, buddy. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So be sure to tune in uh, next week when we will be talking about the the new thing movie. <laughs> the new thing. The new thing. Yeah. Uh, but we, we'd love to get your feedback on the show. You can email us at cinemafix at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com. You can also subscribe to the show through iTunes. So if you like this episode... Uh, please subscribe and write us a review to help get the word out about the show. You can also donate to, to the show through the website. We really appreciate it. You have no idea. Uh, I mean, we really do rely on your support in order to, to keep the network running and in order to keep producing quality content every week. Frank, where can we find you online? Uh, I'm on Facebook. Um, I have a blog, sort of, now. All right, what's your blog? Let's send people to your blog it's to check it out. Quite frankly, entertainment at wordpress.com. Or quite frankly, entertainment at dot wordpress.com. Quite frankly, entertainment. You know, I thought you were really against puns, but you just couldn't resist. Well, I have this little video I'm going to do for it um, where I basically mock myself and my disgust over the name. Um, so I put it in for the sake of the joke I'm going to make in the video. That Andrew's going to help me with. Oh, okay. That he promised right sure. now that he's going to do. <laughs> I love it when people sign me up for things. It's great. Yeah, it's great. All right. Well, I'm Andrew Johnson. You can find some of my writing at thecoolestshotofeffect.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at twitter.com slash writerandrew. And I know, Frank, you didn't mention this, but people can follow you on Twitter at twitter.com slash fjready. Yeah, it's actually just fready. Um, oh, you changed it. Okay. I, I messed up. Um but yeah, it's it's I'm on there. I live tweeted that I live tweeted New Girl last Tuesday for class. That was not that great, but <laughs> not that great. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're a fan of not great television, follow Frank. No, New Girl was good, but my tweeting was not great. Let's I just want to get that on the open. <laughs> All right. Well, as always, a huge thanks to Greg Harbin for editing the show. If you're a Star Trek junkie, you can find him online by listening to the Ready Room podcast over at trek.fm. We love you, Greg. All right. That'll wrap it up. I'm Andrew Johnson. 
And uh, I'm Frank Reddy. And have fun this week getting high on cinema. This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio! Yeah!